salvation of one. But however it is done, we give you glory, honor, and praise for it. We thank you right now in Jesus' name. And all those that are in agreement said, amen. And so be it. Before you're seated, please hug three people and say, I'm glad to see you on this Thursday night. tell you we have an awesome music department we have an awesome praise team if it was for no one else but me they were lit tonight boy praise God all right y'all ready okay we're gonna get some information out there today I brought the easel Got the marker. Can everybody see it? And y'all gonna say no. We haven't gotten to the place yet. We're on our way where I can put this up on the, on the uh, projection screen, but um, let me see how. Yeah, soon and very soon. Okay, well we will, ideally it would have been to move this, but we'll do the best that we can, amen? Um, This up here? Got a little bit of a HGM going on. Um, okay, while we're doing that, while they're doing that, bring me your, bring your attention back down here. We're going to do a quick review. Now, Minister John would get mad if, I did, if he saw me do that. I had to do that real fast. Oh! Okay, thank you. All righty. Now I'm going to need it all back up here. Quick review of what we went over yesterday. This is still every single saint. Let me need this up there, please. Every single saint, and we're talking about the ladies' parts. Not the nasty kind of ladies' part, but the ladies' parts. The part of the blueprint that belongs to the women. Amen? And I want to write this down because I believe this is very important that you get this. Thank you for bearing with me. I'll make sense of it. Okay, now. Now, can everyone see it a little bit better? Minister Johnny, it's tilting on me back here. Okay. Stay up in Jesus' name. Oh, is that what I needed to do? Okay, thank you. Now. Last week we started over in Genesis and we talked about why you would need to know this information. I don't want to go over all those statistics again, but nevertheless, you understand why it's important. The statistics on disease, the statistics on abuse, the statistic on incarcerations, the statistics on everything out there says that if you don't know how to be single, you won't know how to be married. Amen? Even if you're married, if you don't know how to be single or who you are in your singleness, even as a married individual, you're destined for disaster, chaos, and misuse. Now, some of the things that we went over, and I did not make this plain and simple when we were talking about it, but I want to do that. From Genesis chapter 1, we understand that God said, let us make man in our own image. And when, we, when he did that, he said that they would be what? Fruitful? 
They will multiply. They will replenish. They will subdue. And they will have dominion. Did he, did he designate that to one or the other? Come on, talk to me. We say, I'm going to handle this like class. No. He said that was for male and female. We understand that being fruitful, this, the first three weren't all about making babies. We understand that now, right? Being fruitful meant what? It meant to be a producer of good work, to be a benefit, to grow, to, 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 to develop, right? We understand to multiply meant to prosper, right? To increase, to be profitable. And then we understand replenish is where we get to repopulate, to spread wide, right? And then with that, he told both of them to subdue and have dominion, as in to take by force, to regulate, to, to rule over, right? So with that being said, we understand that women still, woman still had this responsibility. She was given, at the point of her spiritual creation, ability, authority, and an assignment, right? All right, that was number one. Number two, we understand that women need security. The whole heaven and earth, earth was made with all its abundance. The Garden of Eden was made. First it was the man, then the Garden of Eden. All of its abundance, all of its seeds, all of its provision, all of its comfort, all of the animals, everything was there, and the earth was completely done, and then bam, there's woman. So with that being said, number two would be that this woman thrives, the woman of God thrives in security, right? No matter who you are, woman, there are certain things that quantifies and qualifies your level of security. For some of us, it's just different things at different levels, but there are some baseline things that got to be taken care of in order for us to feel comfortable and provided for, right? Whether you are single or whether you are married, There's just some baseline things that you just need to feel comfortable, to feel like you're not downtrodden, to feel like, okay, I am woman, watch me roar, right? I don't care how cute he is, how much of a game he got going, how much money he might make, how attentive he may be but broke, what kind of car he drive, or how well his mama may cook for him. There are some baseline measures of security that you need, right? Period. So can somebody, one lady, give me one security, something that you need in life. Who, 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 what? A roof over my head. So what does that look like? Because, see, I've been overseas, Minister Joe. There was a roof. Surrounded by shower curtains. So what, what, roof over my head. Food on the table. So in other words, you can't go over his house and open up his refrigerator door and there's nothing in there but Coke products, right? And a few, uh, uh, a few, uh, what's up, the Hungry Man TV dinners, y'all remember that? Flashback to the 80s. All right, so she has some baseline security. Ladies, 
You have some baseline securities. You say, I don't need that. Oh, I can make it without that. I can. But if you are used to it all your life, my daughter, <laughs> pray for my husband. Now, me, I never grew up with getting my nails done and my hair done all the time. In fact, the very first time I went into a nail salon, I was 20 years old. But my daughter, she think you crazy if you ask her to do her own nails. That's her daddy's fault. <laughs> so in her little world, I'm praying for her husband right now, but in her own little world, having her nails done every two to three weeks is a basic line of measure of security. As vain as it is. All right? So then number three, we understand that God said it is not good that man should be alone. He says that, and then bam, next sentence is in Genesis chapter 2, then he brought all the animals to him, two by twos, lions, tigers, and bears. They all had a counterpart with them. And then it said that he calls Adam, then Adam noticed that, hey, there's no help meet for me. Now he goes from help meet. Remember, there's no help meet for me. And the next thing you know, God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. So woman, you are the response of desire. You, number three, out of that, number three is you, you are to be desired. Hence, pursued. Now, I got to say this in 2016. Because a lot of these ladies these days, I'm seeing these little girls going up and say, hey, you cute, what's your name? Oh. No, she didn't. <laughs> women are getting, especially women in Atlanta, they have a reputation of being rather aggressive. Understand, ladies, that there's a difference between showing interest and being thirsty. There's a difference between showing interest and being thirsty. If he asks you for your number but doesn't call you for three days, his loss. If he calls you on the fifth day, you got an attitude? Understand? But you are worth the pursuit. You are the prize. Didn't you just hear me say, number one, you were created in God's image to be fruitful. In other words, you have a responsibility to develop. You have a responsibility to grow. You have a responsibility to prosper. You have a responsibility to experience all of God's goodness. You have a responsibility. Yeah, you're going to reap help in your part to replenish the earth, but not prematurely. Amen? But you'll do what you need to do as far as, 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 as replenishing the earth by way of your spirit and, and what you do for others and how you serve. You have a responsibility to subdue. You have a responsibility to, to dominate. Number one. Number two, you, you, you are the result of desire. Then you are to be pursued because you are the good thing. You are the good thing. You're the reason he has favor. Then the scripture, te- I mean, it specifically says the men. And I was like, you can say what you want to, honey. I understand that he said likewise, but he said it specifically to the man that if he don't do right, that he shuts by, his, by way of his wife, his prayers cannot be heard. Amen? We understand, number four, that when God created woman, man was good and what? Sleep, right? He was out. He was unconscious. He was two heartbeats away from being dead. 
comatose. Amen? So that we can fully establish that man had nothing to do with her creation. You all understand what that means, right? Does not. Whether you are married or whether you are single, that does not, whether a man is in your life or not, ladies, it does not define you. It does not define you. Take it from someone who's married. I'm married to the greatest man this side of heaven, I promise you. I am married to an awesome man. He took almost two hours to sit there and, and, and have discussion with my, my son last night. I'm like, at some point, babe, you just got to say because I said so. But yet he is so patient and he's so kind and he's just so intentional. And I'm, he just got through having a hard day yesterday at work. He comes home, my son had an attitude, and he sat there for almost two hours ministering to my son. I'm, like, I'm married to a great man. I am proud to be his wife. I'm happy to be his wife. But guess what? He does not define me. I was going to be me whether he was on the scene or not. If anything, Joel Gregory enhanced me. But he did not define me. Being married, oh, life would be so much better if I was just married. He cannot make you happy. So understand that while man was good and sleep, I believe truly that God intentionally, when he made her, he was like, okay, this is my time to spend with just you. Just you. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to pick up right there. Genesis chapter 2, towards its end. A lot of this you've already heard me talk about so I'm not going to minister it again but you know it says here in 21 and the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep and he slept and took one part of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof and the rib which the Lord had, got ta- had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man another version said it presented her unto man and you know I'm going to submit something to you you know, we understand that God made the earth and, and all everything that was therein, man and everything, in six days and on seven he rested. But no, and, 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 and yeah, he made it. But what if we have this thought that God made, and many scholars believe that God made man and his perfect age was at around 33. Many scholars believe that. Praise God. Many scholars argue that what if man was made as a boy? And what, is, what if woman was made as a girl? And just because he made them at the sixth day, we understand that Adam did a whole lot before she was presented to him, right? He did a whole lot. And so we know that God, being an orderly God, perhaps what if he made Adam as a boy and 
he immediately made the flesh of woman two times removed from the earth. And then he goes back and he says, okay, because, you know, God is everywhere. And he says, okay, Adam, this is how you do this. This is what you do here. This is how this goes here. And he's training Adam all the while. He's made Eve. What if he made Eve and she was a girl, a little girl? And, and, he, and he develops her. You see how you woke up and, and Adam wasn't even, it, it, you, you didn't even see who he was, but he's waiting on you, baby girl. I'm pre- I, I prepared somebody that's going to sort of take my place, but we're going to be partners in, in being here for you, baby girl. And, and, and God takes his time with Eve, and he cultivates her, and, and, he, and he has, basically what I'm getting at is, I truly believe that man was asleep, not only so that it's no mystery, no question as to whether man was involved in her creation, but also God intentionally does that so that he could have his time with her, so that she know to whom she belongs, Who is her source? Who is her true creator? Who is her provider? Who is her true protector? Who supersedes anything that this dude dude is like me, but he's not me? So you haven't met him yet, but you're gonna. And when you do, he's gonna be. So understand that she came here, and this is perhaps would be point number five, Understand, ladies, that you were here to be in companionship with. Women don't like being alone. It was intentional. Some of us like being more alone than others. But it's very intentional that we don't, we, we're, how many of you have heard of a female hermit up in the Himalayas somewhere? It's mostly men. They really do exist, too. In fact, when the Bible describes an Enoch, he describes an Enoch as a man. By the time a woman is alone, she's typically a widow. Amen. So you're here, ladies, women. You're here, and you desire companionship. Understand that. For some women, it's not always going to equal, and this this is just fact. It's not always going to equal marriage. But understand, women will devote themselves to something or someone. I always say that women will marry something or someone. Women, I've seen women married to their kids. I've seen women, I have seen women getting it done because they're married to their careers while having a husband. So understand there's nothing unusual for you to desire companionship. That's all good, but don't let that companionship become perverted or displace your God. He can't can't displace your God. Then later on, and so then when he, later on when he finally says, now this is why I say this because of verse 23, talking about what if they were, developed or created as children or as younger, younger people. Because it says here in verse 23, and Adam said, this is not bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Well, of course he would know she was taken out of him, but how does he know she has a womb? Ain't nobody had no babies yet. How did he know she had a womb unless God had instructed him on who she was? what she was about, her capabilities, how do you take care of her, 
how you're supposed to nourish and cherish her. How would he know she had a, he would know she's bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh, because she kind of looked like him, right? But that part where it says she has a womb, how did he know that? Because we're just going on straight off of what he, what he was looking at. At that time, her stomach was just as flat as his, probably a little bit more ripped. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Now, where do I want to pick up? You see, I have all sorts of notes up here because I left my computer at home. Now, as far as the blueprint of the woman, the woman's parts, you understand now, basically, that's where we are as far as understanding who you are, women, as a daughter. First, a daughter of God, but then that translates onto being a daughter of humans. Men, when you're dealing with women, this should help you because ultimately, when you understand that she is a daughter of God first, you will tend to handle her a little differently. Because, you know, uh, my husband, when my daughter was two years old, we're pushing her in a little cart. This is just a natural father. A little bitty, you know, those little cars with a handle at a church picnic. And this little boy came up and was trying to kiss her on the mouth. And him being a natural father, before he could even think, the boy was no more than about three years old. And my daughter didn't know what was going on. Before we knew it, my husband's size 11 foot was at this little boy's neck. Trying to push, because he couldn't bend over to get to the boy fast enough. So his foot was, that was the closest thing to him. When you have revelation that she is God's baby girl, he will do what he needs to do to protect her. First Peter chapter 3 says that uh, the eyes of the Lord are, op- uh, are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Who is he that will harm you if you be doers of that which is good? Understand, baby girl, when you are there and you understand who your daddy is, you understand that you are his daughter. I'm not saying that you grew up in a pristine household. All of us come from some type of dysfunction. I'm sure by the time Joel and, and my son Joel are... 30 years old, they'll figure out some type of dysfunction that was going on in our house. My husband's real silly, so he'll probably say that she was too funny. I don't know. But all of us come from something that was not idealistic. All of us. Some worse than others. But when you, because you are here, 99.9% of the time, you're claiming to be Christ's. And then when you claim to be Christ, that means you have received being his son or his daughter the father, son, or daughter, which means now you, have to, you are responsible for learning what it's like or what it is required or what it entails to be his daughter. And when you realize that your daddy will go to bat for you, your daddy will surround you, he's already said, hey, I'll snatch favor away from him if he does you wrong. When you understand that he says that you were, he presented as in present as in gift, you are my gift to mankind. You are my finest treasure. You outdo all the diamonds that was in the, in the mountains, all the onyx and the gold. That's all. all that meant nothing compared to you, baby girl. And when you understand that as a daughter, that easily translates into how you handle yourself, how what, what, your disposition, what you allow in your in your within your sphere, you're, you are better able to establish and know your boundaries, 
when, if someone was to come up to you and say, hey, sister girl, who are you? I know your name. I know what you do. But who are you? I can't tell you how many ladies, when I ask that question, a lot of them can't answer it. Tell me about yourself. And it's not even humility or modesty. They just really don't know. I'm fine. I like this. I like this. And I like this. No. Who are you? I understand that I am a child of God, that I like certain things, and I have standards, which we don't need to go into right now, but I have no problems articulating those standards. I believe I'm educated, but I'm forever seeking more knowledge. How many of you can sit up there and talk about yourselves with some certainty and not feeling obligated or compelled to make it sound like something that they want to hear? Now, this next segment, I named it Lady and the Tramp. How many of you remember that cartoon, Lady and the Tramp? They were both dogs. <laughs> one was a male, one was a female. And the lady was a lady. And that back then, tramp meant someone from the street, right? It was a dog that lived in the street. She lived in a nice little mansion, dog wearing pearls. In this sense, tramp means what 2016 tramp means. <laughs> I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, now here we go. Everyone, there are very few scholars that will argue contrary-wise to what I'm about to say, but, so, so understand this, it is well established and believed that the serpent didn't just appear one day and say, hey, I'm going to tempt them. It was a long, prolonged period of time of him convincing him that, hey, I can talk. Hey, I'm intelligent. Hey, I'm your friend. Hey, we can kick it. Hey, you can trust me. Hey, I can come in. Hey, it's a long period of time over and over and over again that the enemy won their trust. After he won their trust, he won their access. Once he won their access, he won their attention. Once he won their attention, sounds familiar? Then he won their companionship. Once he won their companionship, now he's starting to win their trust at a deeper level, and it slowly starts to erode the trust that they initially had with God. And I just truly believe that over this period of time, this long course of time, he was slowly and very subtly convincing them that they weren't as good as him, that he was a little bit better. Now, they're looking down at him, slithering in the, you know, well, they actually said he was erect uh, before the fall, but they, they're looking at him. He ain't got no arms. He didn't have arms. The only animal that spoke, though, but I, I believe over the course of time, he convinced them that they weren't good enough. He convinced them that there was more. He convinced them that they were lacking. Sound familiar? So then, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, and he said unto the woman, Yeah, 
God said that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. He knew doggone well what they could and couldn't do. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, he said that you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you, you won't die. God just knows that in the day you eat it, then your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's, knowing both good and evil. And here we go in verse 6. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she took of the fruit of thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, this fig leaves is so I can't even go here now, but it's so significant to what happens later on in, in the book of Mark when he cursed the fig tree, remember? That's a whole nother lesson. We're not even going to go there. But nevertheless, in verse 6, it says here, when she saw the tree was good for food, when she, and that it was pleasant to the, when she saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof. Now, understand, we've been, uh, we've been talking about what God put man, he totally equipped man to do these things. And remember, we said that that never went away. It never went away. But then right here, it says here that she saw that the tree was good for food. That good for food there uh, is relegated to what? The lust of the flesh. So we understand that being, seeing that it was good for food was lust of flesh. Uh, And she saw that it was a tree to be desired. That's the lust of what? And it was a tree that would make one wise. You know what the third layer of sin is? The pride of life. And I'm going over this and taking my time a little bit because... Men and women alike, understand that you have an enemy. And the enemy desires to take you out one way or the other. And he plans his attack from without as well as from within as long as you give him access. And a lot of times we don't even realize how we give him access. Listening to the radio, turning on that favorite compromising television show, entertaining crazy uh, conversations, Whatever the case may be, especially in relationships, when we allow our insecurities to cause us to respond a certain way, when we feel like we can play the game and win when we weren't even equipped to play the game. So he's, he's, he's very intentional on what he does. And the thing about the devil, Dad Hagen said this one time in class, if you was to compliment him on anything, you'd have to compliment him on being a persistent little cuss. Dad Hagen would say that all the time. But understand, I'm saying that to say that when he, we understand that to replenish meant to repopulate, to spread wide. Basically, it entertained the, the replication of self. Lust of the, uh, actually, did I get this backwards? I think I got it backwards. So let me go back to my handy dandy notes here. Oh, yeah, no, I got it right. We understand, so it's the replication of ourselves. but if we aren't careful, it can turn into that lust of the flesh. 
Are y'all getting me? Can someone give me an example of how? How can we relegate replenishing the earth and its total offense being lust of the flesh? Anybody got an example? If replenishing means to reproduce, if replenishing means to spread, to repopulate, and, and we know one of the instruments of repopulation is sex. Mind you, lust of the flesh, when she saw that it was good for food, food satiates the what? Flesh. Talks about later, belly, not, bellies, meat, not bellies for the meats, but meats for the belly. Remember, he's talking about being overindulgent. First thing he tempted, Satan tempted the, uh, Jesus with was what? If you all that, turn this rock into some bread. Lust of the flesh. Very intentional. And he counteracted that with, uh, we counteracted our command or our ability or our uh, responsibility to replenish with the lust of the flesh. So he still appealed to how she was programmed. He just perverted it. Do you get that? He still, because there's just some, there's, all of us have a, a spiritual default that causes us to just want to replenish, that wants us, that causes us to want to multiply and prosper. We just automatically want to be fruitful. The, the most evilest person in the world, let's take Hitler. He thought he was doing something good and productive, fruitful with his actions. So he counterproductive, counteracted or responded to the, the, this, in this, driven this core default within her and him with the lust of the flesh. Multiplying to prosper. When she saw that it was a tree to be desired, it was actually, it was kind of pretty. Fruit looked fresh. It looked like it just sprouted, right? And he counterproduces this with lust of the eyes. Now, I'm bringing this up for a reason. I'm going to get to it in a minute. So, so now, when we see nice things, if we're not careful, we'll, I mean, have you ever seen a dude with a new car? I'm from Detroit, you all. I keep saying this. But I, I, no, 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 no. Let's bring it to Atlanta. When we would come here, my husband would come here twice a week uh, uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000, and I tell you, we would be driving down there like Fayetteville and College Park, and they get those old cars, and you could tell that they just got through uh, souping it up and doing all that. I mean, they were, you couldn't even lean on the car. Car so clean, you like, you feel dirty next to the car. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My son gets some new Jordans. I mean, he's lust of the eyes. Is it that the Jordans are all that? No. Telling on my, my son, I love him. But at the end of the day, his issue is that I got some other folks ain't got. Lust of the eyes. And then his counterproduction to being fruitful is what? The pride of life. Well, here we are. We're supposed to do things. We're supposed to progress. We're supposed to be producers of benefits and good things. But if we're not careful, it becomes about us and our degrees and our establishments. And how does all this measure up to the woman parts? How does all this measure up? Because these are the same instruments that he uses today to get us tripped up in relationships if we're not careful. If we're not spiritually, listen, let's flat out. When you see somebody, single folks, if you're not attracted to him, and that's all flesh, that's all carnal. Nothing's wrong with that part. You got to be attracted to him. 
But after you get past the I part and you shut it down before it turns into lust, because it is good to be attracted, but if we, don't, if we don't shut it down, it turns into the lust of the flesh, right? If we don't shut it down and get spiritually involved in this, then we'll fall for any of these traps that the enemy tries to pull our way. I submit this question to you. Could it be that the tree really wasn't all that? He just made it look like it was all that. Huh? Could it be that God didn't make the fruit look all that appetizing? Because mind you, he said that God is, not a, that God is not one that would tempt us unto sin. Hmm? Could it be that the fruit was still in this budding state, bitter and... Because he is a father of what? He's a father of lies. He's a master of deception. So I often wonder, with that tree being there, was it really all that? Because if we really look at sin, sin gives us pleasure for a season. But after it's over and done with, it is bitter, nasty, and regretting. Isn't it? I done did some stuff, and I'm like, what the world was I thinking? If I could just rewind time, I mean, I would pray, God, if you just let this go back and reverse somehow, somewhere, I promise you, I'll never do it again. Sin has a way, and I'm not talking about just sexual sin. I'm talking about the lion sin. I'm talking about the deceptive sin. I'm talking about the selfish sin. I'm talking about the combative arguing sin. I'm talking about the strife sin. All that's meshed up in here. And it's there not to necessarily just make us feel bad, but it's there to take us out. To take us out and and ultimately to destroy relationships because what was the first thing to suffer after this happened? Their relationship with each other and then their relationship with God. Immediately. It was there by design to corrupt and pervert their relationship with each other, their relationship with God. All right. So a lot of times we can learn what to do by learning what not to do. So here's the tramp part. Turn to Proverbs chapter (laughs) 5. That did not sound right, did it? While you turn to Proverbs chapter 5, I'm going to quote to you Proverbs chapter 31. It says that who can find a virtuous woman for her price or her value is far more than rubies. And we, we, everyone, I mean, there's so many ministries, virtuous woman, woman of virtue, 31, Proverbs 31. I mean, and that is great. And and, and notice that because we get caught up on what she did and all the verses thereafter. But he says, who can find a virtuous woman? Once we've embraced and know and understand how to be God's daughter, it's only natural that we become woman. And in that, he, he didn't say who can find a virtuous wife. He didn't say who can find a virtuous girlfriend. He said her all by herself, who can find a virtuous woman. Okay? And in finding a virtuous woman, it means that she's not certain things. Pastor Gregory and I, if we've been around a little bit, we spent a lot of time teaching on this, and so I decided to go in a little different direction so that you could just hear this, that the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, says this himself. Ain't nothing changed in all these thousands of years. But Proverbs chapter 5, 
and I'm going to be reading from the message edition. It says here, verses 1 through 14, Dear friend, pay close attention to this, my wisdom. Listen very closely to, what I, to the way I see it. Then you'll acquire a taste for some good sense. What I tell you will keep you out of trouble. The lips of a seductive, immoral woman are oh so sweet. Her soft words are oh so smooth. But it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, and a wound in your heart. She's dancing down the primrose path to death. She's headed straight for hell, and she's taking you with her. She hasn't a clue about real life, about who she is or where she's going. So women of virtue that are here, it's going to look like that freak is getting all the men. It's going to look like you got to be a certain way to get the attention. It's going to look like you got to dress a certain way to get someone to notice you. You might even feel like and succumb to the, the, the pressures of social media to sort of put yourself out there a certain way. And I'm telling you and encouraging you, don't succumb to the pressure. Because, number one, that's not who any of you are. It's not. So you'll fail at the game. But even that, God promise, promises. He, he, he asserts here that this seductive woman, she starts out sweet. Listen, men, I know men, you know, a lot of times men run game, and we talk about how men are dogs and all this here stuff, but every man that failed in this Bible up until today failed as a result of what? whether it's by her seductivity or by her revenge, because hell hath no wrath like a woman what? (laughs) They get crazy out there, single men. Pick them slow. Pick them real slow. Verse 7, so my friend, listen closely. Don't treat my words casually. Keep your distance from such a woman. Absolutely stay out of her neighborhood. Never mind the house, stay out of her neighborhood. You don't want to squander your wonderful life because this is what happens when you get caught up in this. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and having that pretty girl on your arm, that pride of life. It says you don't want to squander your wonderful life, to waste your precious life among the hard-hearted. Why should you allow strangers to take advantage of you? Why be exploited by those who care nothing for you? You don't want to end your life full of regrets. Nothing but sin and bones, saying, oh, why didn't I do what they told me? Why did I reject a disciplined wife, life? Why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? My life is ruined. I have one blessed thing to show for my life. When we get caught up in this by way of our relationships, and we, we, we allow the worst of ourselves to come out when that other person's around, or we allow ourselves to, or we yield ourselves to the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, or whatever it is. At some point, especially if you are single people, you'll find yourselves in a place of regret. Learn to, as a woman, and I'm saying this to women because men typically have easier time, well, I, I don't even want to make that type of statement, but for women, because I could say this with some certainty, a lot of times we'll try and try a situation, I'm talking to single women, We'll try and try a situation thinking that we can change it. And then we look up, and the anger isn't so much at what he did. 
The anger and the shame is on what we allow to happen. So when someone asks you, who are you? Do you have boundaries? What are your standards? I wore this shirt. Someone gave me this shirt. I just got it on yesterday. And I was like, okay, this is appropriate. Know your worth. And they sent my daughter a shirt that says, warning, I have high standards. And she does. So I'm praying. Y'all need to be agreeing with me in prayer for her husband. Later. (laughs) What are your standards? I'm not saying a list of 6'4", no more than 230 pounds, got to be dark skin, want a bald head, need to have a goatee, yada, yada, yada. Got to have all his teeth. He need to make more than 65,000. I mean, all those things are nice, I guess. They're good. But what are your standards? What are your absolutes? No. I mean, I had an absolute, if he smelled like smoke, I'm running. Absolute. If he did not serve in church, I'm running. Serve in church. That meant it was no question. I had to either meet him in church. He had to already be in church. He had to already be saved. But I need to see the fruit of his righteousness. Amen. What are your standards? And we're talking about the blueprint of a woman. And, and I'm saying these things because a lot of times when, you, when I sit down and think about it, we haven't really engaged in these type of thoughts or discussions with ourselves and our God. Who am I? What am I about? What do I require? I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine, she married somebody because she was in so much, she was so hungry for security. She had grown up, and, and I don't mind sharing her story. She, you'll, you'll hear it another time later in the movie. But she, she grew up, the daughter, her father was, I mean, he was, he was a rolling stone. And her mother ended up getting addicted to drugs and sold, uh, traded her for drugs. And she grew up abused. She grew up, I mean, a terrible, terrible life. A beautiful, beautiful woman, though, beautiful girl. And by the time she meets this dude, she had already been raped twice, had been homeless. She had already, uh, uh, I mean, just, but nevertheless, a straight-A student, A and B student, did, did well. But she was just so hungry for some security. So the first guy that looked like he could promise her some security, she married him. Nice guy. In church. Saved. She was an outdoorsy type of person. He wasn't. She was very active. He wasn't. She was very soft and kind with her words. He was very abusive and assertive with his words. She, uh, she required affection. He didn't have anything to do with affection. I mean, because she didn't know who she was. All she saw at that point was, I need somebody that's going to help me take care of me. That's all she saw. That's all she needed. That's all she wanted. But she didn't know who she was. So she, went, she married this guy, and I mean, it was a horrible marriage. He had three or four different women on the side. But she had a nice house. Again, who are you? What are your standards? If you're married, because a lot of times some of the loneliest women I know are married. Who are you? She's not, she don't want to talk, especially Christian women. We can't talk, dishonor our husbands. We don't want to talk about it. 
I got lost in being something, he, what he needed me to be, but I don't even know who I am. All right, it's 8.07. I'm going to stop there. I said I would allow for, ten, for a few questions. There was one question that came across my, uh, that actually I gave it to my husband, and I remember the question. I left it on our table, but it was a question that had to do with something he had ministered on, and then I turned around and sort of said the same thing. But the question was, is it okay for my ex-husband and I to remarry if we both committed adultery against one another while we were married? I don't know if any of you answered, asked that question, but the answer is absolutely. It's okay for you to remarry. But you need some clear-cut counseling. You need some clear-cut understanding about what happened. Why did it happen? You didn't do that to each other. You did it to yourselves first. So if that person is here and you're entertaining remarrying your ex-husband, that's great. That's good. But not just because that's who you're comfortable with. Otherwise, you're about to pay pay the same bill twice. You're about to get back on the merry-go-round and the same song's about to play. So you have to understand, why did this happen? What was wrong with in the beginning? Before you get married, yes, you should get premarital counseling. You should get premarital counseling. You should be exercising abstinence and self-control. You should be establishing boundaries and and make sure you establish lines of communication. I don't care if you've been married for 30 years before you got a divorce. You got a divorce due to infidelity on both parts, so guess what? We need to start over fresh because we want a new marriage. We don't want to continue the old marriage. Amen? Now, do any of you have any questions based off of what we've already discussed up to this point? If you want to write it down and pass it along because you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. But if not, if you're bold and you want to ask a question, that's great too. Y'all are... Anybody got any questions? Nobody have any questions? You're just listening, huh? Taking it in. Okay. I'm going to read this here statement to you, and then uh, we'll get ready to close it out. God uh, showed this to me coming off of Genesis chapter 3. If one never defines herself as a daughter of God first then she will always compromise her standards and renegotiate her self-worth. We learn from our parents first who should in turn transition to that awareness to God. You can't be the treasure that you don't, won't allow yourself to be if carnal or sexual tactics are a part of your armory. Did you get that? All right. All right. Say it again. If one never defines herself as a daughter of God first, then she will always compromise her standards and renegotiate her self-worth. She'll constantly try to be what she thinks other people want her to be. It's not just in that one-on-one relationship. It'll be for the boss. It'll be whoever she... Just live a life trying to satisfy others. We learn from our parents first our standards and identity but they should, in turn, transition that awareness to God. If you're here, you, you already have a responsibility to do that. You can't be the treasure that you won't allow your, You can't be the treasure that you should be if you keep... If you allow carnal and sexual tactics to be a part of your armory. Attitude. Carnal and sexual tactics. That sedu- seductiveness. That attitude. That, you know, all the stuff that we can conjure up. 
Amen. All right. Well, I know it wasn't sexy tonight. But nevertheless, I, if a lot of times, you know, we don't, under, we don't realize, you know, man and woman just came off God's assembly line. The enemy came in. It seemed swift, but, but swift enough, and convinced them that they weren't good enough. And the enemy has been ebbing at the self-esteem of woman ever since. I mean, he used what, whoever he could, mostly men, to help him ebb away at it. And I just believe, truly believe that if we understand that we are a daughter of God, that our identity rests in him, then we'll have a certain oomph about us, a certain confidence about us that, okay, yeah, I can truly trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I can really trust him when I acknowledge him knowing that he's directing my path. Proverbs 16 talks about how man establishes his plans, but the Lord orders his ways. I can, I can truly rely on the fact that, you know, I might not have been found yet, but I'm so in love with him, and I know he's so in love with me that I, I'm just looking forward to, to, to what comes next. Amen. And, you know, ladies in relationships, especially if you're single, it's very important that you show the gentleman that you're interested. That is very important. And it's also very important. He's lifting his hand up. And it's also very important that you are relevant. You know, I know a 60-year-old couple getting ready to get married. They met each other on Match.com or eHarmony, one of the social dating sites, they're 60 years old. Now, they're a good-looking 60-year-old couple, but they met each other on social media. I'm not saying that that's the cure-all, end-all. You got to be led. You got to be prayed up and discerning, and you got you to gotta know who you are and what you want, because it makes you fill out a profile. So a lot of times we get frustrated because, oh, there ain't no men, and the statistics are stacked against me and all this good stuff. The, the reality is, in America, there are no more men, males born than there are females. It's just that early death, incarceration, and homosexuality has dwindled the statistics down to where it seems like there's 50 women to one man. And I'm telling you, women of God, single women of God, they may be out there going through all this here stuff, but at some point they wake up and realize, oh, I need a good thing. And none of this out here are good things. And you have a choice when he approaches you because every woman that's at linked up church is beautiful, so you're going to get approached. But you got to make a decision in that moment. Am I that good thing and am I the lady? Just say yes. Amen. All right. Now, what, what I don't want to do is take for granted that everyone here knows who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who establishes our standard. He's the one who created us. He's the one who said he endured temptation to the very end, which meant God, Jesus himself had to endure even sexual temptation. I know some of y'all are like, oh, that's blasphemous, but he did. It said he endured all temptation towards that that man encounter. And he said, anything that I did there on the earth, you can do it too. Amen.
But if we're not in him and he's not in us, we do it in our own flesh only to find ourselves disappointed and falling each time. So if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. Or perhaps if you're that person that has lived a life that's contrary to the...